Hey everyone and welcome to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter, that is Tim, and we talk about horror movies on the show. Don't we, Tim? Is that, is that not in fact what we do? Mm, most of the time. Sometimes. Most of the time. <laughs> Come on. I try to keep us on track. <laughs> I am putting everything I can in, into this intro. I'm trying to give it some pizzazz, some, some razzle-dazzle, and I feel like I'm being hit with apathy. I do not appreciate it. Mm, oh, oh, what do you, what do you want from me? I come from the slacker generation. We don't try. <laughs> we talk about, we talk about Hellbound, Hellraiser <laughs> Two, uh, which is. Uh, oh, I thought you were gonna say Hellboy at first, which <laughs> I got excited. But... Hey Tim, mm, that yeah. like fell off a cliff in terms of box office. I don't know if you noticed this, but for its, I think it's fourth weekend, it just wasn't in the top twenty. It was just gone. It doesn't mean that it's out. Like it, it could still have legs. You never know. <laughs> Tim, it's an amputee. It is, it is like the the clinical definition of an amputee at the box office right there. Just, just wait till you know where the mouth starts spreading, and it'll it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Home video release, DVD sales gonna skyrocket. Uh, we're gonna get at least five sequels. I'm. <laughs> You can quote me on that. I don't care. Ah, <laughs> oh, tell you. So, Hellraiser two. We we started mm-hmm. the Hellraiser franchise in October. That's right. Uh-huh. It's taken us sure. right seven months to finally get to the second Hellraiser. Well, at the time of recording, this may actually not go up for another little while because. We have been so busy with new movies coming out on VOD or new movies in the theatre that we have had a hard time getting to the sequels that have stacked up uh, for for a good while. So because of that, it's taken some time to get to some of these sequels. But here we are, Hellraiser 2. Um, So we'll start spoiler-free as we always do, and we will give you a warning before we go into spoilers somewhere in the middle. And yeah, so we both really loved Hellraiser, the first movie. Uh, we talked about that at length. Mm-hmm. You can find that review. Uh, we did that for the Oktoberthon in 2018. So here's Hellraiser 2. Um, I mean, how do you describe the plot? So yeah, Kirsty from the first <laughs> movie is, is in a hospital because they think she's crazy, of course. And the movie mm-hmm. it largely revolves around an evil doctor who's obsessed with the, 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 the puzzle boxes and the centibates and, and, you know, the mythology around things. And he tries to unlock doors and bring Julia back, who of course died in the first movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Spoilers, I guess, for the first movie, but it's kind of hard to not talk about the first movie <laughs> when you're talking about the second movie. Uh, so he tries to to, sure. to bring her back uh, out of the mattress she died on, because the mattress, as you know, much like the floorboards in the first movie, <laughs> you can come back through once you're fed some blood. Mm-hmm. That's how this works. So, mm-hmm. uh, I guess without further ado, Tim, do you enjoy Hellbound, Hellraiser yeah. 2? Uh, I do actually. Yeah, I uh, I, I like it quite a bit. Um, yeah, n- not as good as the first one. Uh, the first one is just a fantastic like standalone movie. It didn't really need any sequels, but I mean, you know how this stuff goes when when something's like a hit or whatever. You're obviously, going to get some. Uh, but I, I think they do you know a, a lot of interesting stuff in here. Um, and you know the there's some good gore and practical effects going on that it, I think it makes it fun to watch. So. Uh, yeah, I, you know, definitely don't love it as much as the first one, but I still think it's a pretty solid, fun sequel. Okay, um, that's that's one interesting take. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, it's just funny. I remember not liking this very much, and I'd only seen it once. I'd seen it, mm-hmm. you know, before this time. I'd seen it the once a long, 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 long time ago, back when I was in high school. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think it's better than I thought it was back then. I don't think it's that great though. If, if you know, like I, mm-hmm. I think there's some interesting things that it does. I agree with that. I think the entire last like chunk of the movie though, I think is a bit of a mess. And yeah, <laughs> it, it definitely goes into some crazy places, which I'm like I'm I'm fine with because I do like when things get a little big and crazy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it is definitely. Uh, weirder than you would expect yes and it's not the first one's not a weird movie it's the first one's a very weird movie i I, sure. I think uh you know one of the things we praised about the first movie is how unique it was especially at the time it came out you know, compared to everything else that the horror genre was was doing i think this one suffers a little bit because there's less restraint i feel like it was like sure. hey the first one was a hit we can do crazier things and i almost think in doing crazier things they made it more messy and less interesting because i think there was an element of <laughs> there was an element of mystery that came along with the mythology in the first movie about the center base and how the puzzle box works and how all these different things worked. Um, yeah, this one, you know, like those points in this where we're in hell and we're seeing giant, like you know, godlike entities in the sky and like you know, it's just it's, it's just a bit too. It's almost like a fantasy movie. Uh, this one, in a lot of ways, looks like it. Now, did uh, was Clive Barker uh, involved in this? I forget because I don't think he directed it. No, no. Uh, but Tony, did he write it? Tony Randall directed it. Uh, Peter. Okay. Uh, Clive Barker did the story, but the screenplay was by Peter okay. uh, Atkins. So he was okay. involved, but Cause Clive... less so. Okay, because I mean, it does track uh, for like to me, it does still feel like a Barker story because he does like fantasy a lot, and I, I think. Um, you know, like he he has like a a bunch of books like uh, Aberrant and stuff, which I, I just read the first volume of, which was pretty good. Which is, but that's like a you know total fantasy book, and and I think other stuff like um you know Nightbreed and that kind of thing like has some kind of like you know fantasy elements to it. So I I definitely get that. Um, but yeah, maybe I don't know if it maybe would have worked a little bit better if he was a, a little more on board. Yeah. Um. So this director came from a visual effects background. Uh, he did do some... That makes sense. <laughs> uh, sort of low-budget directed video stuff in the early 90s mm-hmm. after he did this. He did a film called mm-hmm. Children of the Night, which I've never heard of. Mm. Uh, he did do a film called Tex, which I have seen, actually. Uh, so that stars Tex, Seth... like... No, Tex, as in the bugs. Tex. Oh, Tex. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, Seth Green's in that. That's from 1993. I've seen that one, actually. I think I own that on Blu-ray, <laughs> of all things. Um, uh, from there he's done some TV some directed video stuff um, he did Amityville 1992 it's about time I don't even know is that like a proper Amityville sequel I mean wait are you the one saying it's about time or is that in the title no that's the title Amityville okay. 1992 it's about time okay uh, Jacob Sterling brings home a mysterious clock from the infamous Amityville house not knowing that it's haunted by demonic spirits mm. so they're not actually in the Amityville house. They've just got an item from the Amityville house, which mm. has carried the the spookiness with it. <laughs> okay. Not a lot of clock-based horror movies, so that could be interesting. <laughs> could be interesting, he says. <laughs> sure. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, still making movies, though. He made, he made a movie in 2018. Oh. Called the... The Doggone Adventure, and it's a movie that stars two dogs. <laughs> oh, oh, that sounds pretty good. Let's see this description. 
A telepathic dog enlists a group of fun-loving kids to help him solve a mystery. The canine detective leads the children down a road filled with action and adventure. <laughs> oh. I mean, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff I like. <laughs> Maybe it <laughs> might not be that bad. Oh, dear. Um... So yes, Hellbound, Hellbound terms of two. So I think there's some good stuff in here. It does suffer from sequelitis. I I think there's a lot of things where we're just doing this mm. because we have to have a sequel, as opposed to because mm-hmm. there's a great idea here. Uh, one of the main Definitely. things that always bugs me about sequels is that it takes the character's fairly happy ending from the first movie. It's like no, she's in a hospital mm. because they think she's crazy because of what happens. Like, I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know this. I don't want to see this next part of her story. You know what? This actually kind of reminded me of that I never really put the two together um i don't know if this came out after or whatever but it kind of gave me a little bit of a, a dream warriors vibe uh just because like uh you know you have like um you know it's taking place in like this uh mental hospital and you're getting like you know a little bit more backstory on the uh on the pinhead and the bites and stuff like you know, find out like what they were like when they were live, and uh, yeah, and I don't know. Even... It, it's not like a direct comparison, but it gave me a little bit of uh, feelings. And there's even that. a character doesn't speak as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, although yeah. Although I actually thought it was going to be more Dream Warriors like early on, because um, it felt like it was setting up characters in the hospital, mainly the girl who does the puzzles, Tiffany. But it doesn't really set up anyone else, and it just kind of like it, it almost it's almost like it's going to do Dream Warriors, and then it kind of forgets. I think they actually came out the same year, uh, believe it or not. Oh, okay. I think we're both 88, yeah. Right. Actually, no, maybe Dream Warriors was 87. I may have beat it by one year. Okay. But, but I mean, yeah, it's not not uh, far enough apart. No, that yeah, it was 87 would... because uh, Nightmare 5 came out in 89, so 4 had to come out in 88, so it did beat it by a year. Uh, they were yeah. turning those out in the 80s. <laughs> turning them out. Yeah. Uh, so... No, so like, that, I, I, some sequelitis is, is my main thing. Yeah, because yeah. even even our boyfriend is just kind of like it, there's like a one line saying he's been sent home. You don't have to worry about him. Oh, right. And then he never yeah. shows up to help later. He never comes back to check on her or visit her. Yeah, that's weird. Mm-hmm. And yeah. <laughs> I, I almost think that he was supposed to be back, and they actually like because the actor for whatever reason didn't want to come back. They just sort of made this new character, this doctor who helps her, because he's just kind of mm. there for the first chunk of the movie. He's barely introduced. He just wants to help her for some reason. Um, mm. He, he, I mean, he does overhear something that the villainous doctor says at one point, uh, Chanrad, but is it mm. Chanrad? Is that his name? Chanard. Chanard. Chanard, <laughs> yes. Uh, he, he overhears one thing that makes him suspicious, to be fair, but that's about it. Uh, I, I get the feeling that was supposed to be the boyfriend character, uh, and uh... then... Like, they couldn't get him back, so I was like, oh, we'll just write a new character. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I, I, uh, I watched, there's a, uh, there's a documentary, uh, you know, it's like a, a pretty long documentary uh, that goes into the making of the first Hellraiser and the second one here. Um, and uh, <laughs> I don't remember much <laughs> from it, but there was some interesting stuff. I think... The one tidbit though that I that I kind of remember is uh, I think they were like gearing up to try to make Julia like the big bad of this franchise, mm-hmm. which you kind of feel like that's what they're doing early on, and then it just seems like people responded to Pinhead so much they're like, yeah, we don't care about her. But it definitely seems like it is trying to set her up as like you know the big villain. It's, it's kind of funny how how little Pinhead's actually in even the first two movies. Yeah. 
He's because he's only you know he's got maybe three scenes in this movie, and they're, 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 some of them are notable scenes. They're they're enjoyable scenes, but yeah, uh, he's not he's not I, around I think, for a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think it just goes to show you, like you know, when you have like a really cool design, like people just kind of latch onto, it and that's what they want to see. Yeah, like uh, you know, because like this movie. Like, because obviously people joke about the sequels that we're going to get to, the you know, the later sequels where they, they weren't actually Hellraiser movies, they, they just put Pinhead in for a scene yeah. or two to make them feel like mm-hmm. Hellraiser movies. But it's funny, mm-hmm. even this one only has like two or three scenes of them, it's not like he was always a big factor, so I guess it's still yeah. in keeping with what the franchise was to begin with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to go that far, but uh, so, so yeah i don't want to talk about plot too much without spoilers because mm-hmm. it is so sort of ingrained in the first movie and then uh mm-hmm. you know what, what where it I'd goes say, yeah the I, I would say maybe I, I don't know if it's so much the first half but like the the, the movie feels like it's kind of split into two parts where it, it feels like the first part is almost just kind of like redoing the first movie like it's the same kind of like you know plot beats really uh as to you know what we had in the first movie where yeah like someone's coming back from the dead and you know they need to kind of suck people's like essence or whatever to you know come back to life uh, but then you know once the kind of the craziness starts happen- happening of the you know second part it feels like a totally yeah different crazy movie yeah and, and it's, it's it's treated obviously it's more truncated it gets through it quicker because it like yeah. we, we know the stuff in the first movie. In fact, that's one of the weird things that I thought is you, you say that there's actually like an extended previously on, and it kind of does it twice. Oh, right, right. Because yeah. the movie opens with like a, it, it comes up just saying Hellraiser, right, and then it shows you some clips from the end in a Hellraiser, and then we get the actual you know opening titles for Hellraiser too. But there's actually a scene where the doctor asks, "Okay, what happened to you, uh, Kirsty?" Mm-hmm. And she basically recaps the first movie, and we see clips of the first movie as she's recapping it. And I thought, okay, this is clear for anyone who didn't see the first one. They want people to go to see right. the second one. So it's like, hey, don't worry, we've got you covered. There's a recap. Yeah. Which, you know. Obviously, fine. this came out back in the day when it, it wasn't as easily to just yeah go online and you know rent something for two yeah. bucks. Or... Yeah. So, like, okay, fair enough, fair enough. I feel like this movie would still be really hard to follow if you didn't know the first one that well. Like, oh it, yeah, sure. it's one thing having seen the first movie; it's another thing just getting this, you know, set, you know, just poured at you over the space of like a minute. Like, it's, it's hard to ingest yeah. all that information like that. Uh, but so yeah, it's it's just weird because uh, Pete, you weren't trying to eat this movie, were you? <laughs> oh, Tim, 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 Tim. Uh, so yeah, so the first half's got that, but I kind of enjoyed the first half more because it was kind of like. It was basically just like your typical sequel doing the same thing again, but okay, right? Like it's not as good, yeah. But it's it's doing some similar beats. It's having some fun with it, uh, and I like kind of the, the spin on it. Of course, this time is that Julia is the one who's coming back as opposed to Frank, right? And that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second half when it actually goes into like hell, and it's like it, it does get very Dream Warriors in the sense that it's very Dream Logic. Not a lot of things make sense. Uh, it's just kind of things are happening. It gets a bit messy for me, and I find it hard to like really love it. Even though there's definitely moments in that second half that I really like what it's doing. Because, uh, okay, so I think this is the point where we'll say full spoilers. Full spoilers for Hellbound okay. Hellraiser Two, because the movie largely is about the creation of a new Cenobite and the revelation mm-hmm. that all the Cenobites that we've already met used to be human beings in some capacity. Because what, mm-hmm. one of the first scenes we see in the movie is, uh, you know, uh, Hell, you know, Pinhead's you know, real-life person opening Elliot the box. Elliot Spencer. Elliot, there you go, you remember. Um, 
in you know it's kind of just on its own at first and then but then as we go through the movie it's about this this doctor this this evil doctor who's obsessed and he's like sacrificing like you know his patience to like because you know the first person who who he sacrifices to wake up julia from the mattress is this guy who thinks he's got maggots crawling over him so he gives the guy a knife and the guy's just slashing it himself so the blood will feed the mattress and it's like an interesting scene uh the way she comes out the mattress is pretty cool with the arms and legs coming out and grabbing him yeah now i i forget did he know that like that would happen or did like uh he already or was like julia already around and telling him to do that no i think he, no he, he did this on his own accord i think he knew the mattress was what he needed because kirsty said that she said that to him she was cop. telling him she's like you, you got to destroy the mattress like he she can come back mm-hmm. and then but we see when the other doctor uh doctor friendly uh checks out his house we see that he's got several puzzle boxes he's got like drawings of center oh right yeah, we yeah. see that he's been studying this for a long time he seems to have an idea what he's doing uh and why he likes keeping Tiffany around. It's a around. bit of a coincidence, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely a coincidence. It's, this is definitely the force part of it, is like he happens to be this guy who's obsessed yeah. with all this stuff. But at least he's, he's interested enough, and then once like he, you know, he's, he's taken in, in the hell, he's like, and he's like taken in the, the big, uh, the, the other, the, basically the other puzzle-looking thing, the big mm-hmm. uh, Leviathan or whatever it's called, uh, okay, the, yeah, the big yeah. version, and it sucks him in, and we get like these wires, like, you know, cutting into his face and he's, he's sort of entrapped mm-hmm. but then later on in the movie he comes out and he's a new cenobite and that's his design mm-hmm. he's got these wires across his face but he looks like a cenobite he's got the black leather on and it's like oh he has now become like the super cenobite and he kills all the other cenobites he kills pinhead he makes them he turns them all back into human beings and kills them and i'm like these scenes are actually really cool this is a great idea this is like someone who's obsessed with it becoming a cenobite and then trying to change the rules Mm -hmm. that core idea i actually really like um i also really like the the core idea of um you know julia is back and she fails and then the final scene the final battle uh kirsty actually tricks uh the 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 cenobite you know the doctor uh chenard by Mm -hmm. wearing julia's skin julia's and she she skin. rips it off it's, it's like she she does the disgusting thing that happened to her in the first movie to win in the second movie yeah. i like that idea <laughs> these are all fine ideas I, I think my problem is just that the, the 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 back like 40 minutes there's a lot of just like and now they're here in this scene because this is where we need to be now there's all you know, it doesn't flow very well for like, me yeah there's, there's a lot of running around and like it's the I'm trying to think of like how to describe it like the hell or wherever they are it's not really like that interesting like yeah. it's like all the creatures and the cenobites and stuff are really interesting looking but hell it's just kind of like grab hallways like except for when they you know at times when they get into like the big open spaces of it like you know i mean even that doesn't really look that interesting again except for like yeah seeing like you know the big creatures flying and shit yeah like, but like the, the big like leviathan uh like puzzle yeah. thing in the sky like that's in like a sort of open, just like cliff face, essentially, and it's like this, you know, t- mm-hmm. kind of dodgy eighties effect of of it being there. Um, the other rooms we see are basically just like you know, one hallway will just take them to this furnace room where Frank is, because one of the one of the things is, yeah, 
Kirst, oh right, yeah. Kirsty wants to get into hell to try and find her father because she's having these dreams of like her father writing on the wall, "I'm in hell, help yeah. me." But it turns out there was actually Frank who was leaving that message to to trick her into mm-hmm. coming. And this gets creepy. He like basically says, "Hey, do you want to have fun, Kirsty?" And he's got up and he's like, "Yeah, do you want to have fun with your uncle Frank?" And I'm like, "This is creepy yeah. as shit." <laughs> um, but then Julia kills him, and it's like, "No, no, no, no!" Like now I'm like the, the one in charge. I'm the one who's you know getting yeah. out of here um which uh yeah i liked all that stuff because you know it's nice to see frank come back and then uh but i do like the idea of like you know he was kind of you know the big bad in the first movie and i like that you know he doesn't really seem as powerful in this one and i like that you know he was being used or he was using julia in the first movie and i like kind of her you know pulling a fast one on him and you know, being yeah. like, oh no, no, I'm the one using you. It's another example of it. everything conceptually it's doing in the movie. I actually quite like. I, I think the first movie is such a well paced movie that just goes from mm. beat to beat, and everything like follows and makes sense. You know, and is exciting as it's happening and unfolding. Yeah. That the, the back half of this movie, it kind of feels like there's a lot of great ideas in here, and I like a lot of what it's doing. Mm. Um, but ultimately there's a lot of running around the same corridors in hell like over and over yeah. in between the scenes uh there's a lot of just moments in there that just kind of bog it down and make it not flow very well so ultimately i think the first movie is much much better because i think it Definitely. functions on every cylinder uh you know it's firing off in every cylinder where this movie there's some great ideas and some stuff that i really like that it's doing but i, I do think like as much as i like that the doctor becomes a cenobite and that's kind of like a new part of the mythology okay humans become cenobites this is how they become a cenobite Mm-hmm. It's people who are obsessed with it that become Cenobites. I, I like the idea that when the, the, the Tiffany solves the puzzle and solves the box, the Cenobites all show up for the first time in the movie, like 45 minutes in, and Pinhead's like, no, we're not taking her. We we respond. We don't respond to uh, you know puzzle solving. We respond mm-hmm. to to desire. And she doesn't have desire. any desire. She, yeah. she solves the puzzle because she's good at puzzles. She likes puzzles. She has no mm-hmm. desire to be taken in and you'll be punished mm-hmm. and feel pain mm-hmm. or anything like that yeah so i like that a little bit of mythology right. on. yeah I, I like though that uh i like that idea but then uh, i also like that you know, like you're still stuck in hell like it's not like they're like all right like we don't need you go bye bye but it's like <laughs> it still feels like dangerous because it's like like oh well, like we are still gonna have like our fun with you but oh, for sure. now like you're <laughs> run along yeah, um, but so as much as I like the Doctor becoming a Cenobite and all the mythology we learned through that, I do think his final design, I, I like the wires in his face and all that, I think him having yeah. all these tentacles that can fire blades and shit. It's, uh, yeah, it, it, it ends up being, <laughs> being a little much. It's just like, excessive, it feels excessive, yeah. it feels it feels like, oh, we could go bigger budget on this one, so we built this ridiculous <laughs> version of a Cenobite. Yeah, and like if you look at all the other cenobites like they all feel a lot more subdued which i think is a little more aesthetically pleasing and interesting like you know pinhead it's basically just like all right he he's got you know pins in his head and bloody nipples <laughs> like that's like that's about it like uh yeah that looks like they just went like a little too much with this uh which yeah i mean it, at least the you know the practical aspect of it does look cool but like yeah it's uh pr- probably could have kept it a little easier better looking yeah it's a little bit more toned down it's, it's, it's a yeah. classic example to me of like the sequel has to go bigger so they, they go sure they lose some of the charm of what the first one had because they're going too over the top with it uh, and that's kind of yeah. what i feel so I, I think between the pacing and like just the back half being kind of messy even though the main like mm. peaks of what the back half's doing i really like all the getting there in between mm. is really dull and tedious to watch i think 
Yeah, I'd uh, I'd agree with that. It's uh, the highs are pretty high, and then I wouldn't say the lows are super low, but like, yeah, they are just very kind of flat and. Yeah, you're basically just looking for like, all right, I just want to get to the next like, you know, fight or set piece or whatever. And but you know, sometimes yeah. it just you get a little bit bored waiting in between. In fact, what, one of uh, my one of my big critiques of the first half of the movie is the is the doctor guy who I think replaced the boyfriend, uh, because mm-hmm. he, even when he's because he's killed fairly early on by Julia uh, with a kiss, she basically says after it, you've got you know you've got great taste in men, and I'm like, yeah, that would have worked after a boyfriend. Like it's just almost like they didn't even change that line. Yeah. Um, but like I thought it was weird just because he, he felt introduced out of nowhere. It felt like he, he seemed to care about Kirsty really quickly without any build up and then he was killed. Mm-hmm. It was like I don't know, I just it felt like a weird add on character who was just there to like facilitate some plot and then that was it, he was gone. Sure. You know. That makes sense, yeah. So Um Well one thing I do like about that kind of you know, those opening parts is like um you know, uh, when you're seeing Julia come out and she's you know, all like bloody and skin she's not as like uh what do you call it um like decomposed as we see frank in the first movie who's just like barely nothing when he comes Mm. back but like uh i I do really like these shots of like julia without any skin but like she's wearing like you know this long white dress and like kind of going through this like you know rich person's house and it's just very haunting like how everything she touched just leaves like a little bloody handprint on it i just think all those visuals are really cool yeah and they, they, you know it's this idea of it leaving a stain everywhere like there's just evidence that, mm-hmm. that something from hell's been here and i, I like yeah. um that they bandaged her up as well like i, I almost wanted more of that in the movie oh, like because yeah. she, she gets her skin back like really quickly because i, I th- you know i think the first time i watched this i i'm sure i thought that the movie the main purpose of the movie was going to be that she wanted to steal Kirsty's skin so the movie was going to be her and the doctor mm-hmm. trying to like trap her while she's still band all bandaged up like invisible man kind of style um mm-hmm which yeah. it obviously didn't go that way at all like it's almost immediately they get like the the box opened and we're off mm-hmm. to hell and things get weird <laughs> yeah you know what it really feels like they crammed like two movies into one in this like it maybe it would have been better if yeah that was the focus of the the movie was julia trying to get yeah Kirsty's skin and then but also yeah having this doctor who's really into this stuff and then maybe the kind of ending set piece is you know um defeating julia but then also like uh uh you know the doctor being transformed into the cenobite and then that that's kind of where it ends and then maybe the third movie could have picked up with Mm. all right now we're actually going to explore inside hell and stuff like i I don't know if maybe that would have been a little more effective yeah maybe because it really does feel like there's a, a very clear separation of like you know, all right. This is this half of the movie, and then this is this half. Which, yeah, no, I I, I agree know. completely. Um, I, I think it, it it makes for a very very uneven kind of watching experience. It, it definitely was better than I remembered it being. I remember really not yeah. liking it when I first watched it when I was a teenager. I think now mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, oh, this is actually a, a pretty decent sequel. That's got a lot of sequel like yeah. you know typical sequel problems, but there's definitely mm-hmm. things in there to like. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and again, like you were mentioning with the you know sometimes when you're going back and revisiting a franchise it's hard to think of the franchise as a whole and like um yeah the, you know a big problem with uh, the you know a lot of these other movies like you said is they just kind of notoriously take scripts that have nothing to do with hellraiser and just throw pinhead in it like you know e- even if like this isn't maybe as great as the first one at least they are still it, it you know trying to make a hellraiser movie it's still you know embracing and exploring the mythology as opposed to yeah, just being like a you know cheap cash in. Yeah. Um. 
So, yeah, I, I, I don't even know what to add to it, honestly. It's funny because I feel like this movie is one that you would think we'd have tons to say about, but I feel like... Mm-hmm. I feel like the themes are pretty similar to the first movie and the... the the idea I, I don't think it does much more with like the idea of like giving yourself over because I think, I think the first one we talked more about you know the motivations of frank and the, the idea of like uh giving yourself over for, for pleasure and like i i think this movie doesn't really add much to that theme really sure yeah uh, maybe, maybe like it does a little bit with obsession like the idea of the, the characters who are obsessed with this stuff turn into the mm-hmm. cenobites the idea that this is what you'll become kind of thing i you know i don't know yeah, I mean, maybe there's yeah more an idea of like desire in this, like yeah, the desire of the doctor, the you know desire of Julia to you know come back to life to get a new skin, you know even the desire of like you know Kirsty to you know go save her dad and stuff, and um, yeah, kind of seeing yeah. you know basically where that leads you to, which is hell. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah, because even even the idea, of course, of um, of of like the scene where like pinhead says no like she, she has no desire for what we offer she, she just you know solved mm-hmm. the box out of other reasons like i like the idea that yeah like they still respect that this is actually something that you wanted even even if obviously most people who want it don't realize that what they're in for like they think they want it and obviously oh shit this is actually hell and punishment and torturous and awful but at yeah. least if someone didn't actually want that to begin with and didn't have that arrogance they, they, they would kind of respect that and you know stay away maybe there's more to play with with that there's more to do there uh oh, yeah definitely i don't know it's mm. uh, yeah <laughs> yeah i mean uh i get where you're coming from but uh yeah i mean it still it still works for me i li- i do like obviously the first one uh, to me is kind of like a masterpiece. Like I, every time I revisit it, I think oh, yeah. I, I feel like I like it more and more. Uh, and this, I, I, you know, I haven't seen this as many times as the first one, but I, I still like watching it. Like usually if I watch the first one, like I might not break the second one out right after, but I'm usually like, Oh, I should you know watch the second one sometime soon. But, um, mm. yeah, it's definitely faults, but, uh, I mean, uh, on a, you know, like some technical aspects. So, like, I, you know, I still like the uh, the music in it. I think is you know pretty good. Uh, like the all the practical effects, I think are really great. Like, you know, the the Cenobites still look cool. And like, yeah. you know, whenever there is gore stuff, like the again Julia without her skin looks great. And then the the ending, like, uh, it it is like kind of ridiculous that like, yeah, you can kind of wear the skin so perfectly. Uh, I mean, I don't know if there's something else to that, but it does look cool once, um, you know, she's, uh, you know, holding Tiffany over the edge and the skin kind of starts slipping off and like that, like all looks really cool. Yeah, no, um, I agree. There's some great visuals in there. Like, like I think some of them go too far and too over the top, but like the actual practical effects, mm-hmm. like the stuff that's not practical really does kind of stick out as being kind of hokey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. just kind of nature of the beast more than anything else um yeah i, I feel like maybe, maybe another problem with the movie is that uh kirsty doesn't have much agency in this like it's just, just kind of thrown into it mm-hmm. again like there's not really any chance for her to like make a choice or like mm-hmm. you know she's, she's supposed to be looking for her father or try to stop julia or, or whatever but mm-hmm. there's never really like really hard like set goals that she is defined by kind of thing it's just all you know all of a sudden like if they set up this idea that she wants to protect uh, <coughs> tiffany because tiffany's more innocent and like needs help mm-hmm. like again that could be something we could really root mm-hmm. for her for her with uh but 
it, it, it kind of yeah. just she just kind of stumbles into the plot again almost <laughs> as opposed to really having like a drive yeah i'm i don't know i i, I hate to say it, but i've never been like too crazy about her character like uh, i i do feel like yeah maybe i would like her to yeah have a maybe be a little more badass or have you know some more agency because it does kind of feel like she's just the screaming woman that's kind of stumbling into stuff and you know she does always win in the end which is great but you never get this a sense of her as being like a um like nancy from nightmare or something who feels like you know she is kind of like overcoming these obstacles and becoming like this badass well it, it know, worked better in the, in the first movie because the, the first movie i think it worked better because she was introduced as being this normal girl and had a decent decent mm-hmm. relationship with her father didn't really like her mother-in-law that much uh not mother-in-law stepmother mm-hmm. um and yeah. and just kind of <laughs> like and the idea was that it was such a shock and out of nowhere when this stuff hit her and it but it was effective because she seemed like a, such a normal happy person before that and this movie it doesn't feel like there's enough because obviously it has that big you know fist pumping moment at the end when she pulls off the skin right mm-hmm. and it's like yeah that was me i was tricking you that you know this whole time <laughs> um yeah. but it didn't feel like as is like you know like a crowd pleasing moment as it should have done because i don't think by that point we were really like on her side or like really rooting for kirsty she's just kind of there as the yeah. default protagonist not because we really love her and care about her so much in this movie just because no we, we have to have a protagonist <laughs> yeah <laughs> and there really wasn't anyone left from the first movie so <laughs> exactly no and as we said the boyfriend is just kind of written out very abruptly and it's like i guess that actor didn't want to come back but okay uh so uh, that's that's pretty much it um i mean there's the the rotating pillar that comes in at the end of course but oh sure yeah there's the 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 final little thing where uh there's like two moving guys moving stuff out of the doctor's house and this pillar comes out the mattress with like cenobite faces like stapled to every side and it ends on the guy from the start of the first movie he's like what is your pleasure sir yes that did it's basically just saying yeah he might have killed all the cenobites but not really <laughs> like they're all still yeah. there which is good for the franchise because the movies need to keep happening we have another five or six of them to talk about eventually uh, i mean wait am i crazy but there's like over 10 right is there no well now that you've said that, I, I thought there was a lot i mean i thought there i thought it was, was like eight but you might be right maybe there is like mm, 10 now well, let me who knows <laughs> it feels like for they Hellraiser franchise. <clears throat> Hold on, where are we? Wait, what? These are these are comics. No, no, no. Where's the movies? Mm-hmm. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Hellraiser, Hellraiser two, Hellbound, Hellraiser three, Hell and Earth. That's three. Hellraiser Bloodline. That's four. Hellraiser five, Inferno. Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hellseeker six. Hellraiser Deaders seven. Hellworlds eight. Revelations is nine and then the final one judgment is 10 which by the way judgment okay. was last year yeah <laughs> that was 2018 i think I, I i i watched i don't know if i watched all of it it was on netflix for a while though so i think i watched at least some of that and the um joe joe's madness to me is that the one guy that... directed three of them <laughs> wow six seven and eight are all the same director okay interesting <laughs> that is madness absolute madness i mean three i'm excited to talk about but then because uh, i think three not a good movie but does have some fun bad moments but then 
uh, it's going to get pretty painful. Oh, and would you look at that? Hellraiser Inferno from the director of Doctor Strange, Scott Derrickson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Doctor Strange, Sinister, Sinister 2. I think he did Sinister 2. No, he didn't I, direct that. I forget. Oh, okay, well, the first Sinister. <laughs> yes, the the better of the two Sinisters, although it's still really bad, so... You know, um, <laughs> is what it is. Uh, so I mean, I guess that's hell. But like, I, you know, like there is. I did like it more than I, I thought I was going to from memory, but I still have a lot of like mm-hmm. caveats and faults with it. Um, so if we're going yeah. to rate it, like I just want to make that clear that like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's things I like in here. There's definitely ideas in here I like. I just think it's a much messier cool. film than the first one. Whereas the first one, I think, is so well structured, mm-hmm. so well paced, so well uh, thought out. It just moves so so naturally through the mm-hmm. movie, um, and it's got so many like memorable yeah. like you know effects moments and like grisly moments, and it's got a really interesting plot. Uh, this one tries to add to it and does in some ways, but is just much messier. So, uh, Tim, what are you rating Hellbound Hellraiser Two? Uh, I feel like I like it a lot, but I feel like I'm a little bit shy of like saying that I love it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think. Um, and I mean, like, yeah, I think you point out some good reasons like the again, I think the stuff that's good is really good. But then, yeah, there's some just kind of maybe a little slower filler moments in between that aren't as great. So uh, I think we can give it a 7.5 uh, still a really high score. But I feel like, yeah, that's like a you know, seven territory is like the I really like it versus like, you know, once you start getting into the eight territory, I feel like that's like, oh, I love this thing. Mm. That's fair. Uh, I think I am going to go with a 6.5. I can't quite call it good because it's just a bit too messy, but there's definitely things in there I like. And I think it is worth watching if you like Hellraiser. Uh, unless you understandably want it just to be like a standalone movie, because I think there's an argument for that. And just, sure. Yeah. yeah, it works really well as a standalone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you know the, the budget of the first movie was $1 million? I mean, how times have changed? <laughs> wow. <laughs> how times have changed? Um yeah. So there you go. That is uh, that is Hellbound. So yeah, you know, hey, we've got another sequel uh, offer to do list, and we have a lot of them to do. Uh, we have some lingering franchises that we've been doing for like about a year and a half now. Uh, we're getting close though. We're getting towards the end of those ones. So oh yeah. Hey, uh, that has been Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. So by all means, uh, let us know what you think of the mm-hmm. film in the comments below and like and subscribe, all that stuff. And if you're listening to the audio version of the show, if you could uh, you know, rate and review on iTunes or whatever you're listening to, it does help us out a lot because they, they promote the show out and it lets new people find the show, makes the show grow bigger, mm-hmm. and we can do bigger and better things, I guess, potentially. <laughs> Yes. Uh, if you want to support us financially, you can do that at Patreon at patreon.com slash TV, uh, where you can support us for as little as $1 per month. And for that $1, you'll get a bonus episode once per month that me and Tim will do just for you. Uh, not you personally, but you as a, as a group. You patrons. <laughs> you $1 patrons. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the $5 tier, you get to also vote in a movie once per month. Uh, you'll, you'll, you've heard us talk about, oh, this one won a vote. That's why we're doing it. Uh, that is a, another Patreon perk. So go have a look and see if there's anything you like, uh, and go and go and have a look see. Um, if you want to buy like a Screams After Midnight T-shirt or something, you can do that in our Spreadshirt stores. Oh, there's links in the description to both the US and the UK stores. So go have a look see to that as well. Um, but yeah, is that everything? do you want to promote something, Timmy? Something else no. that you do? No, you don't want to do that. Uh, I mean, I hopefully I have some stuff. Uh coming out later this year but i'm not sure when this will drop but uh i mean yeah just follow me on stuff because i'll have announcements when 
I have stuff ready. <laughs> yeah, and you can follow Tim at Tim Vergulish on various mm-hmm. platforms, and you can follow me at Wibble89 on your Twitters or Letterbox if you want to stop my movie watching uh, habits. Uh, if I'm going to promote mm-hmm. something else from Mailfuzz TV, I would say check out the Ace, the Atomic Cinema Experiment. <clears throat> Uh, that is the sci-fi movie podcast, the sister podcast to this show, uh, which I and Tara uh, look at sci-fi movies. And it's just like this one. There's a, again, there's a bonus movie on Patreon once a month. There's, you know, similar idea. Um, so go check it out. Uh, but that is it. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching horror movies, guys. And we will see you next time.